You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B, and this is episode number 74, Take Control of Your Eating. Hey, super quick before we get going. As soon as I clicked stop on the recording, I realized that I should have made this little caveat to you guys. This episode is about your eating, obviously, but this is not intended to be any kind of like professional psychological advice. If you feel like you have any concerns, either medically or psychologically, about really specifically about binge eating or under eating or any kind of any kind of anything that feels problematic for you, please, please, please talk to your doctor, talk to a psychologist, a therapist, a psychiatrist, whoever, whoever you need to talk to, to get the help that you need. This is intended like always to be really general advice. Thanks. Here we go. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness Matters podcast, where we always talk about the fitness matters that matter to you and you want to know. Yeah, I know. This one matters. I know that you already know that because that's why you clicked on it. But this one, this one I happen to know really matters to lots of you, to lots of me, even though there's only one of me, (laughs) but it matters to me too. This episode, I'm just going to tell you right now, this episode is not a tips and tricks. This is not a chew gum or brush your teeth after dinner or here's how to portion out your calories for the day. This has nothing to do with your eating (laughs) and everything to do with managing yourself. And I was totally going to call it that. Like this is what happens. This is, here's a, here's a little peek behind the curtains to my, my methodology and my process for how I create these podcasts. I notice that you guys say stuff on Facebook really specifically. Like Facebook is where I get almost all of my ideas for what to talk to you about because you talk to me about things, which I love, which by the way, hello, if you haven't already joined the Killer Beehive, my free, private, super interactive, incredibly supportive, really fun Facebook group. I mean, if you're on Facebook, come and join that. Totally worth it. And because you do have, you do have a direct line to me and the podcast when you are in the Facebook group, because I read all of the posts. I try to comment on as many as I can, by the way. And I do actually, um, if you don't already know it, I do host a Q and A in there every Friday where we talk about stuff. Like you have a lot of really direct access to me if you do Facebook, which I know not everybody does. But anyways, here's the thing. I see these posts all the time about struggling with controlling your eating. And when I read these posts, I often think to myself, because I know what the mechanism is behind controlling your eating, I often think of it in slightly more general terms. And so I was going to, I was going to call this episode something like manage your mind or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, nobody's going to click on that. Like nobody cares. (laughs) I know you don't really care about managing your mind, except obviously you do because you're here on the Fitness Matters podcast where we talk about your fitness mindset. But it occurs to me frequently that, that when you think you have a problem in one area, that lots of us don't recognize that that problem is actually a really universal thing. Lots of you do. I know you do because I do read the comments, of course, on the podcast too, where you're like, oh my gosh, I was listening to this podcast about you know, XYZ and I totally related this to something that I'm going through at work or a relationship that I have or how I feel about money or whatever. Like, like anytime you're managing your mind, 
you're managing your mind about everything. You know that, you know that saying about how you do anything is how you do everything? This is why I love mindset work. This is why I love thought work. When you recognize in one area of your life how managing your mind helps you, you'll realize that it helps you everywhere. Everywhere. So even though we're talking about taking control of your eating, I want you to know this is how you take control of anything. Anything at all. And I mean, having said that, it is actually a really practical episode. Like I have steps. I have three steps for you today that's going to be really, really, really helpful in figuring out how to manage or how to take control of, you know, your eating or your money or your life or your relationships or your job or anything at all. Here's how. Step number one And this one's really, really important. I already know I'm going to say that about all three steps. (laughs) The words were coming out of my mouth and I was like, Paula, they're all important. Yes, they are. (laughs) Step number one is just as important as step number two and step number three. (laughs) It's to pay attention to your self-judgment. Here's what I notice invariably about any of us who feel like we have a problem with anything, specifically your eating, but maybe non-specifically your sleeping, your water drinking, your ability to control your temper, your ability to like your job. I don't care what it is that you are trying to control. You are judging yourself about it. I, I notice this in myself sometimes, but I really notice it in you guys. I, this is, this is actually what I love about coaching. What I love about being a coach is that when I notice what's going on with you, it helps me recognize what's going on with me. I do not really struggle with my eating very often. Every now and again, every now and again, like whatever episode that was, um, something about feeling angry. In fact, I think it was called feeling angry, but I don't remember what number it was. In that episode, I talked about how I was eating something that it wasn't really outside what I wanted to eat. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Like calorie wise, it wasn't really that different or that huge, but it felt like I was compelled to eat as opposed to like a choice that I was making. This is something that I have felt about other things. Really specifically, I noticed that I struggle, and I'll even use that word struggle, with drinking enough water. And when I think about drinking water, I judge myself for my inability, alleged inability, to control my ability to drink water. So when I talk about drinking water, I say things like, oh, I never drink enough water, or I'm drinking so little it's ridiculous, or oh my gosh, I got nowhere near my water target. None of those things are factually true. And this is what I want you to notice about what you are saying about your eating habits. What I read in your posts are things like, I go crazy when I'm around sweets. I ate everything in the house. I'm good all day and then in the evening, I can't seem to help myself. I want you to know that crazy is not a fact. This is, of course, of course, the part of the episode where, first of all, Blossom is scratching her neck and therefore jingling really loudly. (laughs) 
giving her the side eye. <laughs> she knows I'm talking about her. She's sitting in the sunshine and does not care. And therefore, you're going to hear some jingling today. Anyways, this is the part of the episode where I'm going to refer you to episode nine, facts versus opinions. It is fundamental for understanding step one in this process. When you use words like crazy or everything or good, by the way, I know that you think you're saying something very factual about being good all day. You, my friends, here comes the soapbox. I apologize for this one. This is a little tangent, but this is something that I think about all the time because I do it to myself and I totally hear it when you're saying it too. You are good all the time. You are a good person. What you eat or don't eat has nothing to do with you being good. So, okay, I'm stepping off my soapbox. Anyways, the word good is a judgment. It's not a fact. It's an opinion. I can't help myself. I know that sounds, that one in particular sounds really factual, but it's not. It's an opinion of your actions. And here's why this is really important to notice. When we are using self-judgment words, we have already come to a conclusion about our actions. Coming to a conclusion about your actions isn't really helpful for changing them. When you say, I go crazy when there are sweets, you have simply decided that this is a fact. Oh, if there are sweets, I will go crazy. This is done. The sky is blue. You know, like there's, there's no room for being curious. There's no room for getting underneath it. There's no room for argument. There's no room for you to make any improvements that you'd like to see. You think that you are stating a fact and therefore you're not even really looking at it anymore. When you realize that you're stating an opinion, it helps your brain stay open to changing that opinion. So when you're ready to take control, step number one is to pay attention to your self-judgment. Get really clear on the exact facts of your behavior. One of the things that can help you, and here is an actual kind of tip and trick, but take it for what it is. I'm rolling my eyes even while I'm saying that, but but here's what I will tell you. One of the things that can help you get factual about it is to log what you've eaten, to log every single thing you eat. When you can look at it as data, as numbers, it can take some of the judgment out of what you're saying. Now, here's the, here's the little caveat on that. Sometimes, even with numbers, we can't help but have that other thought right behind it. That number means something terrible about me. It means I'm out of control. It means I'm crazy around sweets. It means that I was good all day and I can't help myself. But understand the difference between numbers and opinions. When you can see numbers, when you can see facts, for example, saying something like, I ate all the cookies in the house, is very different from, I was finished with dinner, I had 80 calories left in my calorie target for the day, and then I ate 17 Oreos. When you can lay it out in factual terms and then simply do the math, which by the way, I did, I Googled it. 17 Oreos, an Oreo is 40 calories per for the regular kind. I didn't look up double stuffed, but for the regular kind, it's only 40 calories per Oreo. If you eat 17 of them, it's only 680 calories. I happen to know 
because I have indeed eaten 17 Oreos at one sitting. I happen to know that it feels a lot bigger than that when you're in it. And that is why we deal with facts. 17 Oreos feels very different from 680 calories worth of Oreos. When you can log what you've eaten and see it as facts and do the math on my calorie target for the day was, you know, 1,550 and what I ate was 1,738. And that's a difference of, oh my gosh, I don't know why I started the sentence because I didn't do the math of this before I started talking. It's almost 200 calories, but it's not quite. It's like 185. Am I close? 180, something like that. We're going to go with it. When you can look at the calorie difference and see that it's 180, that can take a lot of the judgment out of what you are telling yourself. 180 calories is 180 calories. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you went crazy. It doesn't mean you ate everything. It means that you ate 180 calories over your calorie target for the day. When you can take the judgment out of what you are saying to yourself, it leaves you open to understanding step two and then doing step three. Step two, which is not necessarily linear, by the way, these are, they're steps, but you know how this goes. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know that my steps are frequently done like concurrently with one another. Like there's different things to do, but it's not like you have to finish step one before you move on to step two. Step two is to work on your thoughts and not your actions. And here's what I mean by this. Very often when we are telling ourselves something like, I go crazy when there's sweets in the house, we do something like, now I'm never going to buy sweets again. I'm simply not going to have sweets in the house. Changing your environment and changing what you do might be at best a temporary relief from feeling like you are struggling. And the fact is, it can be helpful, for example, to not have sweets in the house. I mean, generally speaking, I don't have sweets in the house. And yeah, it does help me control my eating. But the thing that helps me control my eating the most is because I pay attention to what I think about my eating. Your actions don't just appear out of the blue. Your actions come from your feelings, which come from your thoughts. My friends, this is the part of the episode where I'm going to refer you to, I think it's episode 35, but I'm going to have to verify that. It's the episode that's called How to Change. How to Change explains how to change, (laughs) how to take control of your eating. In fact, truly, that episode, a really good companion to this one because it really goes into depth for everything that I'm saying here and it corroborates what I'm saying here. But here's the chain of events, my friends. You have a thought. That thought creates your feelings. Your feelings drive your actions and then your actions get you results. When you find yourself in the kitchen eating 17 Oreos, you did not just magically appear there. There was a thought that led to a feeling. And when you understand that your thought is actually the powerhouse of this whole equation, your thought 
is the origin of what you find yourself doing, you'll realize that changing what you do really is only temporary. It's only a, a band-aid. It's not an actual fix for your problem. When you can get to the heart of your problem, the thought of your problem, that is how you will actually take control of your eating or whatever your problem is. Knowing that you are going to work on your thoughts instead of your actions. Oh, you know what that means that we get to do? Here's the little practical tip. That means that we get to journal, you guys. I love journaling. I love it because it is the solution for every single problem you could ever have in your entire life. The answer to everything is in your brain. And the only way to find it in your brain is to write about it. I highly suggest, first of all, that you listen to the episode of How I Journal for Success because it is really helpful. But second of all, that you create a habit for yourself based on a thought that journaling is good for you, which will drive you to feel curious about how journaling could be good for you. And then it will drive you to the action of actually journaling. When you work on your thoughts by journaling them, I totally encourage you to ask yourself really, really curious questions. Why did I eat 17 Oreos? And again, I'm going to have you be very, very careful. Step one is to pay attention to your self-judgment because you are very likely going to just start judging yourself. And I want you to recognize that for what it is. Self-judgment is your thought. When the first thing that comes out of your pen, when you ask yourself, why did I eat 17 Oreos? When the first thing that comes out of your pen is because I can't trust myself around sweets, because I always eat too much, because Oreos are ridiculous to have in the house, because I'm too lazy to stop eating, because I've done this my whole life. Every single one of those are thoughts. Recognize that all of your thoughts create feelings and all of those feelings drive actions. Recognizing that can help you get to the heart of it. I'm going to tell you something though. What you think about after the fact isn't necessarily going to help you change the behavior because you probably already noticed that after the fact, what you have is a lot of self-judgment. What I would love for you to ask yourself is what was I thinking right before I had the 17 Oreos? Because here's the thing, I'm gonna, spoiler alert, it is frequently a really innocent, easy thought that you're not going to think of as a problem. It's usually something like, I want that. That's it. That's all it is. It doesn't have to be some, some big deep epiphany about, you know, I, I, go, I don't even know. I'm trying to come up with something off the top of my head. Like when I was three, I got scared by a big dog and my mom took me out for ice cream. So I associate treats with feeling comfort. Like, like it doesn't even have to be some deep psychological drama that you have. It can be a really simple thought. I like Oreos. That's it. When you recognize that that thought, I want Oreos, 
leads you to eating 17 of them, that is where the work comes in. Recognize that you have that thought. I like Oreos. I want an Oreo. I want 17 Oreos. I want lots of Oreos. Gee, I want more Oreos. Whatever it is that you're thinking, recognize that that is where the change really needs to take place before your behaviors can change. That thought, I like Oreos, just so you know, sounds like a fact. It's an opinion. Isn't that interesting? I know that when we tell ourselves we like things or don't like things or whatever, it totally sounds factual. Like, no, 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 I really do. I like Oreos. (laughs) But it is an opinion and that means it can be changed. That thought, I want whatever it is, can be changed to, I'm going to have two and then I'll stop. When you recognize the thoughts that are driving your feelings, that are driving your actions, you have control over all of it. You are in the driver's seat of your actions. And step three is to stay curious about why you're doing what you do. I alluded to this earlier, and here's, here's why this is so important. When you use those self-judgment words, I go crazy, I ate everything, I'm good all day, and then in the evening I can't help myself, those kinds of statements are what I refer to as closed loops. I feel like we've had this conversation before, but I don't remember what episode. So in case this is new to you and or even if it's not new to you, in case we didn't talk about it very thoroughly before, here's what I'm going to tell you. Your brain loves to close loops. It's actually why the Apple Watch uses rings. It's why a lot of it's why a lot of graphics that you will see about satisfying your curiosity or finishing something or being done with something or being good at something. It's very frequently a circle. You'll start to notice it when when you understand this this thought. When you have a question in your mind, your brain sees it as opening up a thought loop. It is the start of something. And then as you come to conclusions as you think through whatever it is, the problem that is that you're thinking of, you'll come back around and you will tie whatever your conclusion is to whatever that question was, linking them together. It creates a loop, a closed loop or a closed circle in your mind. The end always relates back to the beginning. The beginning was a question. The end is an answer and they tie themselves together in a circle. So here's what happens. When your brain has a closed loop, it's completely done thinking about it. It's not, it's not looking for any more solution. It's not looking for any more of an answer. It simply takes it in as information and then in somewhat frequently, just simply disregards it as a done deal. When you ask yourself a question, a curiosity question, which we just talked about, the best feeling. Was that last week? I think it was just last week, episode 73, the best feeling. And by the way, that one, that one, I intentionally named in such a way to open a loop in your mind. 
What's the best feeling? It's a question that made you curious to click on it and listen to the podcast. When you ask yourself questions, it helps you stay open. When you make a statement, I'm good all day, and then at night, I lose control. You're not curious about that at all. You're not curious about why. I mean, you might even ask it as a question, which in fact, I frequently see it asked as a question on Facebook. Like, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? Doesn't actually doesn't actually ask keep you curious about the this. You've concluded that eating at night is a problem. And you're curious about what you could do about the problem, but you're not curious about the problem itself. And this is what step three is all about. Staying curious, not about what what should I do next to fix this problem, but what is this problem? Is it really even a problem? What, what am I doing? What am I thinking when I do what I do? What else might I be thinking? What else could I think in this exact situation? What does somebody else faced with a bag of Oreos think about a bag of Oreos? Asking yourself curiosity questions can help keep your actions as part of an open loop. Rather than closing the loop, tying your answer to your question about this is a done deal and I'm, you know, I'm a bad person for doing this or this is bad, this is a problem that I eat sweets or that I eat everything in the house or even, even if you can bring it on down to the non-judgmental language, even that I ate 680 calories, I went 180 calories over my target for the day. Even those statements can incite curiosity in you if you are intentionally being curious. My friends, taking control of your life slash your relationships, your job, your money, your eating, whatever you want to take control over is both complicated and simple. I mean, it's simple because I've just given you three steps. They all work together and they all work every time. I promise you that taking your self-judgment out of the equation, working on your thoughts and not your actions and being curious about what you're doing and why and what it means and what you're making it mean, these things will work for you every single time. But the thing that's complicated about it is that we all have these thoughts. Like we all, we all go through these thoughts and these feelings and these actions and they seem kind of messy when we're in the middle of it. And that is why I truly, truly encourage you to journal your thoughts so that you can find them. I really hope that this was helpful for you in a very specific way today and helpful for you in a really broad way today. Anything in your life that you are ready to take control of can be taken control of with these three steps. And you know I want to know. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about your taking control. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. 
So are you totally loving this mindset work and you really want to do it like, you know, every day in order to get your goal? Then my friend, you need to join the Get Your Goal group. It is my personal and private, very interactive coaching and accountability group where every day we talk about your mindset and we get your goal. You can learn all about it at paulabfitness.com slash get dash your dash goal. I'll see you in the goal group.